This is Live Well Talk on Multisystem Inflammatory Syndrome in Children. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UnityPoint Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Multisystem inflammatory syndrome in children has been a trending topic of late, as the condition may be linked to COVID-19 uh, infection or exposure in, in children. Joining me to talk more about this today is Dr. Dilly Bertel from UnityPoint Clinic Pediatric Cardiology. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Let, let's start off with uh, what this condition is, multi-system uh, inflammatory syndrome in, in children. Take, just walk us through what, what, what's going on. So um, exactly, this, is, this condition involves just the post-infectious process after certain infection. Now we're thinking this is related to the COVID, new COVID, novel coronavirus infection. After the infection is done, the body reduces the immune response. And now this immune response is affecting the immune immunity is affecting their own body, especially in children, which is affecting multiple organs. That's why we're calling multi-system. It involves abdomen, it involves their skin, it involves their heart and their brain and brain system. So this multi-system involvement, it makes them very sick. And initially that we were confusing this with whether it is a Kawasaki-like illness. And that's where the alert came up from United Kingdom around April 27th, saying that, hey, we're seeing the kids like Kawasaki, but that they are not really fitting the criteria of Kawasaki illness. They are more sick and they are behaving like toxic sox syndrome kids. So they were like, yeah, this is a new trend coming up, but this is not right. Hey guys, keep, keep an eye on it, look around. So they alerted us around there. Then by mid-second, our colleague around uh, East Coast already started seeing the same trend. And they came up with like, yeah, we're seeing the same. They're not fitting the criteria for Kawasaki illness. So they have definitely different trend and they are showing some features of Kawasaki, but they are having other features which are not linked to Kawasaki. That's what we've been seeing these days. So on Kawasaki, I always remember Kawasaki motorcycles. So Kawasaki, M starts with motorcycle and it affects the medium Sized blood vessels. Uh, yes. Is that the same with multi-system inflammatories? It's medium blood vessels? So we don't know much about it. That's, okay. We have seen some of the kids with already involving these medium-sized vessels and uh, coronary arteries. And what we are seeing more in Ms. Mystery is involvement of the myocardium and myocarditis. The heart function gets depressed so quickly that uh, that was not seen in typical Kawasaki disease less than 5% of the Kawasaki disease, which end up having Kawasaki syndrome, we have seen such scenarios, but not on, not on typical classical Kawasaki disease. To really uh, make it very simple, I think uh, we can discuss what is Kawasaki, you know, and how it's related and how it is different. You know, so let's we'll, we'll start might, with that. Yeah, so the Kawasaki disease, as we know, is almost like known to us for the last 50 years. And uh, it's a febrile illness. Children present with fever, usually, typically, less than five years uh, old children. And we know that um, around our catchment population, we see around six to seven children a year. Fever for five days is a classical presentation. Then they have pink or red eyes, rash of any kind involving from face to whole body. And they get these lips and oral cavity changes is because of their mucus involvement. And they have interesting peculiar hand and extremity swellings and the lymph node swelling in the neck. 
So if you have a fever for five days or more, and then you have four of the criteria that we just talked, then we put them as Kawasaki disease, typical Kawasaki disease. In the, we need to have that, oh yeah, we don't have any plausible diagnosis for these findings, and we don't have any blood test to confirm or refute Kawasaki. So it's been a challenge even to diagnose Kawasaki in children. Thankfully, it's not that common, it's rare. And our colleague and we are very aware of this condition and we're picking up you know, six to seven, eight cases a year and we've been diagnosing and managing them. Now with the MISC, multi-systemic inflammatory syndrome in children, what we're saying is they may not need to have fever for five days. That's a little different that they appear sick. They have fever, which is 38 and above. It could be just for 24 hours. CDC has just come up with this definition hey, we don't need the fever for five days. It's different than Kawasaki. We may have just 24 hours of fever, but they have these abdominal symptoms, like abdominal pain, vomiting, diarrhea, and they are lethargic and tired. That's, that's alerting people. And obviously, also, they have this skin manifestation, pink eye, and any type of rash has been described with being very lethargic, tired, pink rash, you know, that's causing already more than two system involvement. And the clue here is that inflammatory markers, that the blood test that, that would show significant elevation of these inflammatory markers. When we put these things together, like the febrile illness, elevation of the inflammatory markers, and this, this clinical constellation of symptoms, in a child who has recent contact or recent diagnosis of COVID-19, um, then we're saying that, okay, this is MSC, multi-inflammatory syndrome in children. That is the difference between Kawasaki and MISC. You may not have, you may not see RAS in MISC. You you may be seeing more of the abdominal symptoms, which you do not see in Kawasaki disease. And we do not want to wait for three or four or five days if we have this kid is not looking well. So we have to be on a high alert situation, high index of suspicion, so they were taking care of the children early before they get very sick. I think. Even in adults, which is my specialty, of course, but in children, fever, rash, you, it can be something very serious. Yes. You know, that's something you do not neglect, a fever and a rash. Absolutely. In, in, in any patient. Um, does, is Kawasaki's disease associated with any sort of prodromal exposure and infection? So the, um, there have been lots of um, hypotheses, right, and lots of research going on. It's been thought about any three to four weeks earlier viral infections or that trigger, and some children shows that hyperimmune response to that infection, that theory has been there. So we've not yet found the real link, but we know that it is, again, the same immune response okay. to our body. Now, when, once we make the diagnosis uh, and we've excluded bad things, uh, Rocky Mountain spider fever, meningococcemia, things, things along those lines, what is the treatment? So. Yes, the treatment is um, like Kawasaki, MISC is being treated with the immunoglobulins and steroids. So the response uh, to immunoglobulin has been pretty good. And adjunctive steroid has been really advocated. They appear sick, MISC kids, and they're getting both IVIG and steroids. But we have to stratify. Invariably, everyone is getting IVIG in the case studies that's been published, as well as unpublished data that I've been talking with my colleague in New York, they've been using IVIG for almost everyone. Then the adding steroids depends on how sick that kid okay. um, appears 
uh, on presentation. Now, how do you know this? This is a question as a, a adult critical care physician. Steroids. Uh, I love steroids. I'm trained in the generation that you just give everybody steroids, but you know we know there are side effects. Do do children do well with steroids? Do they do, do they tolerate well, or do they develop the same stuff that adults get? Yeah, they do tolerate pretty well. Okay, they do tolerate pretty well, and then dose is very short course. You know, we uh, do either the pulse steroid or three days, you know, Q12, and um, we're not giving more than one gram. You know, so like two milligram per kg. That's how the dose is okay, so, you know. so, so it's a pretty relatively lower dose. And uh, even if we need to do the pulse doses for uh, two to three days, then they do respond very well. And um, the experience have been, we've been tapering pretty quick. Once that's, um, if they had to be on five to seven days, then we don't really need to give them longer than five, seven days to taper. And so you're following laboratory work, it, the markers of inflammation, and the clinical appearance absolutely, of the child. Absolutely. Okay. So this is a very... Um, as we do, we do not know much about this condition, right. MISC, prior to this, uh, we were taking care of like, oh, fever, we wait for five days, right? Oh, they have rest. As you mentioned, that rest and fever, we always worry about them, mm-hmm. right? But not typically MISC kids may not have rest. So what is really uh, the determining for us would be the lab markers, you know, when we do draw the labs that will help us. And there are specific labs that we're not just doing the CBC and CRP, we're asking for more labs, ferritin, D-dimer, fibrinogen, and then LDS, interleukin uh, one, you know, or six. And then we're adding the troponin, BNP, to look into the cardiac markers. So that those inflammatory markers uh, will really help us to determine, okay, this is not our typical Kawasaki. So what, as a parent, if I have a child, first of all, when you say children, is, it, is that up to the age of 18, 21, or is it it's, uh, less than five? I mean, Basically, just... this with the MISC, it's affecting children a little older, like uh, five to 15, 16, that has been common. Okay. Not that they are also affecting children less than five years. Typically in Kawasaki, we see children less than five years of age. However, MISC is affecting children a little in the older age group. Even with the New York data, they are getting that, you know, around one third of children are less than five years of age. In Kawasaki, to see that atypical group having more than five years is very rare. So that really determines us like, okay, if a child presents with like Kawasaki, but is the older age group, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, then we think like, okay, this is potentially a MISC. Well, I think this sets up what we're seeing with the children and, and is such as the hypothesis. So look, parvovirus, slap cheek uh, in children, very common, very easy to diagnose. But I've always had this theory, adults will get parvovirus, but it's more fever, no rash, arthralgias. You know, and it's just a viral illness. You could get the parvovirus tighter and it's gonna be there. Or, yeah, my children are home from daycare. And you know, so they react differently. We've had these case reports of people getting, saying, oh, they got COVID-19 a second time, you know, four weeks later. What may be happening is they're having some sort of post-viral immune response the viral titer, the, the COVID, the positivity, the PCR is just, it's, yeah. it's not infectious. It's just yeah. some people are carrying it yeah. long. We know yeah. some people, case reports up to 37 days. So that kind of sets up a hypothesis. That m- might be what we're seeing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you that, you know, um, on the eight cases that they've been reported from UK, they've been PCR and antibody. If you look at that, you know, one kid has both PCR and antibody positive, but most of them has only the antibody positive. 
and the 10 cases from Italy, the similar picture, you know, they were saying the antibody positive. So, so rather than the recurrence of the COVID, it is a post-infectious process that yeah. these kids are getting really sick and getting admitted. So um, the publication from New York, again, that the 37 kids that were admitted, and yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, they had 13 ICU admission on that case series, and I suspect that might be the case. So rather than the primary, the primary uh, novel coronavirus infection, uh, post-infectious process was already starting on those kids. So as a parent, you should just be suspicious of your kid has lethargy uh, and a fever and is not feeling well in this day and age and contact physician. There's really no no question there. I mean, Absolutely. You, you need to pull the trigger Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the, basically, our ask is not to have a high threshold. You know, some of us are like have so much high threshold to go to the doctor, right? You know, I mean, yeah, it's a common illness. Here we are asking, like, have a low threshold. Be aware. Do not panic. Be aware of this condition, which is still rare, but be aware and seek help with your doctor, you know, your child's doctor, you know, contact with them sooner than later. And parents would also ask this question. My, my child has it. We get out of the hospital. They recover. When can they go back to normal activity? Uh, absolutely. Uh, with the MISC, once they infect this process, the child Done, is back to they, normal self. Yeah, they can go back to straight away. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's good. Yeah. That's reassuring. Yeah, the summer activities start. So um, you might wonder that how do you know? Because this is very new condition. What we are extrapolating the data from the Kawasaki, you know. So the Kawasaki kids, you know, we set them go back when they are fever free and then they're good to go. When there's no cardiac involvement, they're good to go. So we use the same principle in these kids. I, I find, uh, Dr. Patel, this is interesting. We have the intensivists as well have friends that were in New York that that they use as a resource and get the exchange information. Sounds like you did the same. But we've also been a victim of that quick information exchange. You know, China wasn't as transparent as they probably should have been. We made extrapolations based on what we saw in China, which ended up being wrong. Italy got overwhelmed. We made it. So it's, you've seen both the positive and the negative uh, influence of rapid exchange of information. You know, where it, before the internet, before 24-hour cable news, before all, you would, you, you know, there'd be time for that to settle out before it's moved on to the next people say, hey, here's what works, here doesn't work. Yeah. That's, that's amazing that you brought that up. You know, I was going to uh, come to that in a way. If we look at when on April 27th, right, in UK they alerted, Italy has seen way more cases than UK, way before them. By March 16 to end of April, Italy has 10 cases on that same area, but they didn't report it that time because they didn't know. They were just treating as like, okay, this is like a Kawasaki disease. Yeah. Yes. And May 6th, the paper from UK published with eight cases. Then Italy's put up together and published on May 13th next week. Hey, we have seen the similar illness. Yeah. So we were in a really an advantage here that in our colleagues in New York were saying, yes, we are also seeing, we have a largest series here the center that I worked in New York, I trained there. My mentors are publishing the, the largest series so far, going to be published soon. So I was getting those information, and that makes real sense. So I was so prepared. You know, we were prepared, you know, along our colleagues that we're sharing this information, and that made us like we're not making this journey for the first time. You know, it appeared we were treating our first case in Iowa, but it didn't even feel like we were treating with the first case. You know, it felt like I was dealing with, we were dealing with, as a team, it was a hundred third case that we were treating. So it was amazing. You know, I 
we got really, I mean, we got late heat by the coronavirus later than East Coast, but we had lots of information yeah, sharing, yeah. you know. So I mean, in, in, on our side of the street over in the adult intensive care, you know, we were here in, in China and in Italy just because they were overwhelmed. You need to put them on mechanical ventilation, yeah. innovate them right away. Yeah. You need to convert your anesthesia yeah. machines to, to ventilators, which is not an easy yeah. thing to do. But then New York kind of started that route. Then yeah. they then they started using non-invasive ventilation, yeah. and the patients were actually doing yeah. better. Yes. And, and then you know we found that you know maybe the interleukin six inhibitor will keep them off the vent. Let's try yeah. that. Yeah. You know we've learned so much. Yeah. I know sometimes yeah. people get frustrated. Yeah. We don't have enough testing. We don't have yeah. enough this. Yeah. You know. This was just 60 days ago. Yes. I mean, absolutely. that's amazing. Yeah, you know? that's, that's really amazing. Uh, if we think about our new condition, you know, MISC, which is literally put the name by CDC on 14th of May. So we're like three weeks into this. Right. And uh, we already know these kids really, you know, if we pick them early and treat them early, they don't need to get to ICU. And if they are not, then they end up having this going to the ICU. And these kids, less than one third, even they don't need even respiratory support. This is very interesting on going back to talk about MISC. Well, and I think people have no grasp of if we do get this vaccine within a year, that's that's unheard of. I mean, that is just amazing. Yeah. You know, and I've said on other podcasts, I'm not very optimistic just in the fact that coronaviruses tend to mutate and it's hard to have a vaccination for them. But, you know, I'm hoping for this is great information, and uh, I'm, we'll, maybe we'll have you back in a couple of weeks or so as something changes and we have some more definitive, have kind of a uh, multi-inflammatory syndrome part two. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to, and we are really working with our colleague around and sharing the information. And um, as you need to point out, as a region has already sent this communication throughout our primary providers, everyone is really a lot. You yeah, know? so that we're, came Absolutely, yeah. we're working very well, you know, and communicating. As we hear, we are communicating this information, so we are well prepared. And this is a set example that we are so prepared when we had the first kid enter through our emergency department, we knew what it was. That's yeah, how we, you know, we're very uh, privileged One last to have this. question before we say goodbye here is why pediatric cardiology? <laughs> so that's... Uh, ask, everyone gets this question. So, so um, basically during pediatric cardiology is, I was fascinated with children from uh, my medical uh, college years, you know, when I was taking care. Then um, so fascinating that the way their recovery is, the way that once you repair their defect and they're like back to self, you know, so quickly. And that gives such an immense pleasure to the family, the parents that you yeah, see. absolutely. That, that you won't get anywhere. That's how I feel, you yeah. know. <laughs> I remember my daughter's young, then we'd have a fever, you know, just a viral illness. You, you, know, you give them acetaminophen, and they're climbing the curtains. Yes. Like like 30 yeah. minutes later. Yeah. They went from like yeah. lethargy, Absolutely. prostration yeah. to, you know, yeah. rambunctiousness. Yes. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's really amazing the way they turn over, right? So quick. Yeah. And that immense pleasure to the parents and grandparents close to them. And they come with that biggest smile. And you know, that drives you. That's you know, I mean that's amazing. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you joined our medical community. Was it been is it two, three, three. years now? Close three? to three years now. Three Next month. time goes fast. Really great information today. Again, that was Dr. Dilly Bertel from UMA Point Pediatric Cardiology. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for the COVID-19 pandemic, please uh, uh, shoot us an email at stlukescr at unipoint.org. In the meantime, wash your hands, cover your cough, and confine yourself if you're ill, and uh, practice social distancing.